From Relevant Magazine, it's the Relevant Podcast. It's a week of Friday, August 2nd, 2013, and it's a relevant podcast. I'm back. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Your voice sounds way better. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I am back to v- as full of health as I've been in a while. <laughs> as you'll ever be. I don't know. I Hopefully not. <laughs> You're at the pinnacle of your of I got two hours life. sleep last night. I'm hoping this isn't the pinnacle, but... Why? <laughs> uh, magazine's going to print today. Oh, that's so exciting. I was here till like three, and then I couldn't fall asleep till five. And oh, yeah. That's right. I double, I double clicked that picture on Instagram. <laughs> I cared. This week's podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use. And if you want some help, though, they're there with an amazing support team, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts at 8 bucks a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device, every time. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com. You won't need a credit card. Just try it out and start building your website. If you decide to purchase it, use the offer code RELEVANT8, RELEVANT and the number 8, to get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. That includes monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com. Use offer code RELEVANT8. I got to tell you, mm. I'm a customer. Very happy with Squarespace. Love those really cool. yeah, I love the designs. Really, yeah. really cool. Beautiful stuff. And you can set up an online store literally in an hour. Just drag and drop photos in. You don't have to know web stuff at all. I mean, it's just really, really easy to use. Yeah. All right. Well, here with me in our uh, Orlando studios is the uh, very lovely... Calvin Kearley. Hello. To his immediate right, Eddie, new podcast, Koffeltz. Thanks. Nice yeah, to see you. you on the Skype line from Lowerdale, Virginia, the John Acuff of podcasting, Jesse Carey. <laughs> hello, hello. And over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. I've got to tell you how disappointed I am in myself right now. I had a joke prepared for that moment mm-hmm. that the moment didn't feel right, and oh, I, I... You balked. You backed I, out. You holstered it. I did, and it was a mistake, it. and I don't know... I don't know. You, you sheathed the sword. <laughs> That's right. Mm. <laughs> so, so I have to apologize for, to the listeners for, for missing last week's show. I, this is literally the first time in seven years, eight years, that I have missed a show due to illness. You're like the Cal Ripken of podcasts. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how Cal Ripken's a baseball player that played a lot of <laughs> Oh, no idea. Thanks for the clarification. Junior. I'm talking about Cal Literally, Ripken. I never missed a show due to, 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 due to illness. I, 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 Chad can attest. That day, I literally could not speak. He came into my office that morning and goes, Hey! And I just went, Uh, yeah. how's this going to work? It had been I'm getting <laughs> worse and worse, my voice, over the previous days. But then that morning, I went by Chick-fil-A to order breakfast. Went I've up never to- had Chick-fil-A breakfast. It's not oh, a bad you, thing. You, it's pretty good. It'll blow your it's mind. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, you get up in the morning. I didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's not like I sit there and like test out my vocal cords. So you didn't realize until you got to the window to order your I didn't get to the window. I got to the speaker, and I went <laughs> to say number seven, and nothing came out. 
And then I literally, after like a minute of them trying to be like, hello, you know, I drove around to the window and pointed <laughs> and, and, and ended up getting my sandwich. But anyway, so I realized, oh man, this isn't going to be good. Yeah, it doesn't work for a podcast. So, so what had happened, what had happened was, remember last time I was on the show, I mentioned that I was about to do a motorcycle class. So Wednesday night, we were in the classroom. I was pretty much the only person over the age of 18 in the room. <laughs> were, so, you, were you super bored and causing trouble? Because that's what I do in those settings. We It was rows of, of, of basically high school and college students. We were watching bad DMV videos. It was oh, like... Yes. I, were, it you, was, were you doing like Mystery Science Theater 3000 no, commentary? Hey, I, wanna, I was taking my safety seriously. All right. See, I can't help but be disrespectful in those situations. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so then Thursday night and Friday night, we're out on the track and we're, and we're riding the motorcycles and, you know, doing all the stuff. I, I can't help but be disrespectful in those situations. <laughs> so here's the thing. It went from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. each night. Okay, It's kind of late for a class. Kind of long. All right. But you got to be dedicated if you want to ride a bike. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're out there Thursday night, and it rains on us. And it drenches you. And you're not prepared. And you still got to keep going because this is real-life conditions if you're on a motorcycle. Yep. So the class continues. We are drenched to the bone. Okay. So that's Thursday night. Start to get the sniffles. You know, Friday night, I I prepare and brought a raincoat, and but it rained for five straight hours. Like the first night was like an hour it rained on us, and And we were wet. Had a two-hour raincoat. Yeah, I had two-hour raincoat. It soaked through. I had never been so wet in my life. And then at the end of it, we had to go back into the classroom, which had been in a building with AC on, with no humans in it. So it was sixty-three degrees in the room, and we were in there sopping wet. I totally got sick. You and all your bros. Like, just... almost like hypothermia. Like, I was shaking on the drive home. Like, I couldn't, like, put the key in the car. Like, my hands were convulsing so violently. I was so cold. I went home and was in a hot shower for an hour and a half. Can, hour can, and a half. Can I ask a question about the motorcycle class? Because I kind of this played out in my mind in case I take it. <laughs> At the end of the class, like, do they, do they, do you walk down and shake the guy's hand? He gives you, like, a little diploma thing. <laughs> You get handed a certificate, which you yes. then have to take to the DMV to get your new license. But it- I would say at that in that moment, I'd be like, "So this certificate's good. Like you can't take it back, right? Like I paid, I passed, right?" And right. when they say that, and if they confirm, I would be like, "Sweet!" And then I run out to one of the motorcycles and do an awesome wheelie. For the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the instructor's like this grizzled guy, but he has like kind of an emotional moment at the end. He's like. You, you're a great driver, Cammy. I've, I've done a yeah. lot of classes in my day, but hey, yeah. I, I will. T- I will say this, and this is <laughs> never com- with a 35 year old. He, he walks as soon as he walks in the door. You remind me of my son. This is completely bragging, Dad. I scored highest in the class. Thank you very oh. much. Thank you very much. Both, both on the written test How? and on the field test. Because how do you they, not score perfectly? Uh, riding a motorcycle is hard. Is it? Yes, I'm not. See, being I sarcastic. think I would barely scrape by. <laughs> I would have like my what? legs like bowed out the whole time I'm riding the motorcycle. <laughs> I'd be going like this the whole time. Whoa! But, the, but, but they make you I'm do evil, like they make you do a series of tests for the real test, and like you know, you have to do certain like U turns, and if you touch the line, you get points and all these things. And so, like that's the thing is like if you do it perfectly, you get no points, and if you mess up or if you. Um, you know, don't break fast enough, or if you don't Are you shift in the third. you allowed to go incredibly, incredibly slow? Uh, on certain <laughs> of them, they, on certain they, ones, yes, because you have to show control over a bike that's yeah. going very, very slow. And some of them are speed tests and control and quick stops. Do you have to get inside one of those iron globes and do like go around and around <laughs> it like yeah. in the circus? That's, that's extra that was the final. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Of course, now I have been to four different motorcycle dealerships because I've 
You're going to buy a bike. Of yeah. course. Have you, have you purchased your hatchet yet, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> I did have to buy motorcycle boots. So so I show up the first one, and you you have to have certain protective Please gear. tell me they're the most, like, audacious oh. snakeskin boots. They Okay, so I show up. Tassels you have to have certain side. protective gear. I didn't have motorcycle gloves. I had to buy that. The but, Rockies, Lloyd. But my class was at the Harley-Davidson dealership, okay? So, so everything is Do they the have it for sale it? there? So, of course, they had all of it for sale with massive Harley-Davidson logos. God, yeah. you have so the tackiest. Yes. I, have, I have massive motorcycle gloves oh. with huge mo- Harley-Davidson logos You are just a baby boomer right now. And, and, <laughs> well, I'm not going to buy a Harley. And so I don't have it. No, oh, it's still awesome, though. But the <laughs> boots. The hey, boots I've are, seen the Harley clothing stores, and I've been tempted to yeah, go in and yeah. just That's stock great up. Stuff. Just so people think I'm that cool. Do you, yeah. do you have a vest that on the back says, ask me about my hog? <laughs> it's because I have a woman. Can, right. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I I bought the boots there. So my boots are Harley Davidson motorcycle boots. And uh, you kind of feel, listen, you kind of feel, kind of feel a little tough, tough when yeah, you wear them. Yeah. Because did you, did you find a door to kick in immediately? You do walk differently. You want to go to a dive bar immediately? You kind of do. You yeah. immediately started Irrelevant Magazine? Yes. <laughs> and you, start, you started a bar a, ball, a bar room brawl and like had a pool cue and snapped it over your leg. <laughs> started fighting to do with broken bottles. Somebody disrespected my hog, so I, yeah. Yeah. I had to do what yeah, I had I to do. Yeah. But it literally, when I wore, I had to, because on I Friday, had to kill him. on Friday, I had to go back to the class. I just wore the motorcycle boots to work. You're going to have to get you, out of town, you walk, you walk differently. You you walk a little taller. You walk. You don't take as much sass. <laughs> you walk a little taller. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah. Well, it does help that when you, when you go to talk to somebody now and you're wearing the boots, you put one foot up on their desk yeah. and lean over to talk to them. Yeah. Every meeting with Cameron was very uncomfortable that Friday. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. You like kick over his coffee on accident. Don't even acknowledge it. Kick over his coffee because I can't control the boots. Yeah, These so things sorry, raise, These boots are very heavy. They weigh like 80 pounds, and yeah. they're very... The very you feel very. That'd been awesome because you have a glass desk. That'd have been amazing if you had kicked your feet up and it just shattered. <laughs> <the> glass desk <laughs> probably would have. Anyway, so I'm fully healed. I'm fully so, licensed. But if you like, if you like, drove into like a even a relatively shallow lake, you're basically a dead man because you just sink right to the bottom. Hundred percent. The the mafia helped engineer these boots. Yes. So so I'm fully licensed. I'm fully in the market for a good motorcycle. So if somebody knows of a deal. You know, I don't want, I don't want like, here's the type of bike I want. I want one of those 1960s vintage flat seat. Choppers. I don't you want, you don't want a, you don't want a crotch rocket. I want a, a Triumph Bonneville. Yeah. I want one of those 1970s Honda CB 750s. I want one of those like flat seat. Steve classic. McQueen. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's you what wanna, I want. That's but exactly a, what I want. But definitely with a little sidecar. And with, tass- oh, with, with side- tassels on the handles. On Rainbow the tassels. Yeah. 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 And a backrest. And like a Pee Wee Herman like, technology so that it flies. And I'm going to put beads on the spokes so they, they make noise. Oh, it makes a rattle. Around. Cool. Yeah, right. a rattle when they and a loud radio that just plays Danger Zone. Yeah. <laughs> just Danger Zone. Because it's a lot of motorcycles have... A lot of, I've learned that a lot of motorcycles have radios. Yeah. Yes. What's, yeah. The, what's the point of that? No, yeah. they don't have radios. No, I'm just kidding. Why would you have a radio? I drove up next to That's true. It is true. I drove up next to a guy the other day and he was listening to Rush Limbaugh. On his uh, Harley motorcycle. Who just got dropped. You can't hear it. They have to play it super loud, which makes it really annoying if you're not on the bike. Right. Russian Hannity got dropped from like 40 stations. Why? Uh, Motorcycle. Market and advertising wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Market and advertising wasn't there. 
Wow. So there's that thing that didn't fit <laughs> there's in the rest our, of the podcast. Our, our Russian Hannity update of the week. So, <laughs> we can cross that off our list. <laughs> he's like, uh, exactly. We weren't sure how to get to it, but <laughs> spot on. I really wanted off. to talk about that. And he's like, I had to so, change all my presets. That was half the show right there. Yeah. <laughs> I need a new slice now. I hate you guys. Okay. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to Peter Hitchens. Uh, Peter is the uh, uh, brother of famed uh, atheist uh, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, Peter Hitchens is his own, uh, also well-known, a prolific writer and thought leader. He's hap- he happens to be a Christian, which is fascinating. Uh, we have a Q&A with him in the new issue of Relevant, and uh, we uh, bring you a part of that conversation on, on this week's episode. We also talked to um, a, a, a friend of ours uh, who started an organization uh, called Market Colors. Her name is Lizzie Wurgo, and uh, she joins us here in the studio. And uh, it's a really cool thing they're doing. She's 23, started this awesome nonprofit, and so many of our listeners have dreams and, and ideas that they, that they want to do to make a difference, and Lizzie's somebody who's actually out there doing it, and, and, and it's a really cool conversation, uh, kind of like how she was able to do Market Colors, what Market Colors is about, but also kind of uh, what she's learned along the way, which is really cool. So stay tuned for that as well. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, August 6th. We have Blondes with uh, Swisher. Kay Flay is coming out with What If It Is, and the highly anticipated new release from The Civil Wars coming out. The Civil Wars. That's August 6th. Very exciting. You can listen to it streaming up until August 6th on iTunes. The entire album's for free. That's, That's cool. Nice. Yeah. I'll do that today. Movie releases coming out on Wednesday, August 7th, so Wednesday. So if you're planning early for your weekend. Uh, We're the Millers, the Jennifer Aniston, Jason Sudeikis, Ed Helms. Uh, one where they have to, you know, they're drug that's one Smugglers. of those movies where I think if you see the trailer, you you're all, you're all set. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the joke. Um, movie releases coming out on Friday, August 9th. Um, Elysium, the Matt Damon, Jodie Foster thing that looks freaky deaky. That looks great. Yeah. Did you ever see District Nine? I did. Yeah. 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 Same yeah. guy. Yeah. That movie freaks me out. Man. District Nine was great. Yeah. Same guy. Uh, and, and I heard the New York Times tweeted last night. It's a summer blockbuster. But it's one that you actually need to consider, and it's like, you're going to really enjoy it. Hmm. Like, see, that's the thing. I feel like th- this summer is full of over-the-top movies that are comparable, but this one does appear to stand out. But this one seems to have an intellectual bent that, like District Nine did, mm-hmm. that that yeah. that is different than the typical Michael Bay summer blockbuster yeah. thing. So, like, like basically, there could be some element of social metaphor embedded into the story. If it's like District Nine, it would be for sure. Apartheid. Uh, Planes is coming out. It's the uh, here's the thing. I have a three-year-old. Cars, <laughs> Cars 2, mm-hmm. this is a big deal in our house. We've invested oh. many, many dollars into Cars paraphernalia oh, and tomaters and things like that. Planes is the world of Cars, but it's planes. Okay, so it's the same. So you're like, oh, wow, the new Pixar movie. It is not I the new Pixar that movie. That's tricky. It is a Disney movie because they own the intellectual property to the Cars world mm-hmm. because they bought Pixar. Here's the thing. Pixar movies have a certain magical element yes. that Disney animated movies while equally quality in the animation don't have yep. and the more I see of Planes the more I'm like this is clearly not a Pixar movie it's a cash grab did, Yeah. Did, did any of you guys read that uh, um, blog post that was floating around the internet of, of this guy who's a Pixar fanatic who oh. has uh, created this theory of the Pixar universe that connects all of the films through space and time. Yeah, I saw that. 
it is a fascinating read and you know it it, it takes a bit of a you know intellectual stretch to believe that the filmmakers behind all the Pixar movies were thought this deeply and this far in advance about their whole universe and how each film is connected through magic and sometimes through time travel. Um, but the blog post is incredibly convincing. And if you're into Pixar movies, I would incre- I would encourage you to, to seek out. Uh, we posted a slice about it uh, a few weeks ago about the the connect interconnected universe of Pixar films. It is really fascinating. Yeah, some of them are more obvious than others. Like the the battery. I don't know if this was in the list, but the batteries used in the toys in Toy Story are the same batteries that show up in Wally, like in uh, the trash heap. Yeah, uh, I mean that, that's that's things. one of the examples. But it's about how that corporation came to be it's about the the world of talking animals the world of talking robots and their relationship with humans and how those different uh uh inanimate uh objects first receive this sort of magic power to 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 communicate it's really fascinating and also the timeline like where cars you know the sort of the post-apocalyptic world of cars where it falls you know in the wally timeline which is you know a desolate earth like i said it's it's that unless is. you're unless you've seen all the the Pixar movies, it might not make total sense. But it's still a really interesting read that someone put this that much time into to thinking about it. How does he? How does he? How does he connect the world of cars where there are no humans and all the cars are talking? Does he treat them like the dinosaurs, where it was like there was a different age where there are no humans and it was like well, well that you know if you, have you seen Wally, there's no humans on Earth at that. So point. so so basically, the humans die off, cars become alive and then they die off and then Wally shows up. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to misrepresent <laughs> the theory no, yeah. because it, I probably will because it's so complex. But it goes all the way back to even before like that's at the end sort of, of, of the whole universe that he's talking about. He even talks about where Ants falls in the, or, or is it Ants or Bugs Life? Whatever the Pixar's Bugs, Bugs Life is. So uh, there are certain symbols that he claims are embedded in the movies to give you clues about where they are on this, like, you know, tens of thousands of year timeline. But 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 but, in, but if I'm hearing you correctly, he does say that the human world will end and cars will take it over. Now, this is eons from now. Yet the world of cars is the same entertainment and technology level of the current human civilization. I mean, you've read Revelation. <laughs> you know how it yeah. all ends. Yeah, is how it goes. It's pretty much spot no, no, no. on. He, he doesn't. He doesn't claim that that the cars are. Is you Wally know, this, a Jesus figure? Does is, it, is Wally, to me? It, it, it is a parallel of the gospel story. It's pretty mind-blowing. Uh, no. Jesse, where do Smurfs fall in the timeline? Sorry, Jesse, you're trying really hard to make this point. You can feel us derailing. Finish. I, it wasn't me. It wasn't me that made the point. Like I said, it makes perfect sense when you read it. Just read the blog. No, he doesn't claim it's evolution. He claims actually in what's the princess movie with uh, uh, that that came out? The princess Diaries next. Aladdin. <laughs> no, Aladdin? the one oh. where it Cinderella. Brave. 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 He claims it, the, that it, really? it, it may all go back to Brave, where there's a scene where some wizard or something. I haven't even seen the. I haven't even seen all these movies, but I just thought it was fascinating. So I don't know why. But there's I'm a wizard in Brave. But there's a scene in Brave or something where uh, an inanimate object <laughs> is granted the powers to communicate, and that's been passed along to like Toy Story and all of these Wait, other Pixar. Hold on, movies. Hold on, hold on, so cars on. killed off all the humans, Jesse. Let's just have a well, real... Well, you kind of get that now with, like, uh, GPS and everything. They're kind of argue with you. I mean, they're already becoming self-aware. Yeah. 
Jesse, let's just have a yeah. real honest moment. Did you write that article? <laughs> no, I didn't. I did. There's a lot but of passion. But everyone should read it. Okay. And, and, and click the donate button on the page. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to a PayPal account. I don't know how. So what we're saying is that cars are going to kill off the humans. Yes. And we saw by motorcycles. What you Thanks, arm man. them with with conservative talk radios. Yeah. <laughs> and Cameron. We can change this. So load up, buy a motorcycle, install a radio so you can tune yep. into the news station that's carrying Russian Hannity. Yep. And then uh, we'll be safe from the car invasion that is possibly coming. Unless we all buy motorcycles now. I did see a thing one time about Pixar that Andy, the kid from Pixar, is related to the couple from Up. It's all tied together. Maybe Andy is the old man from Up. No, no, no. Because in Up, the, the old man's looking at his mail, or there's a shot with mail in it. With something in the mail, and Andy has a card that he sent to the old people from Up or something. Yeah, I've like seen I've related. seen like, uh, like Buzzfeed type screenshot articles, uh, yeah, listicles yeah. where they where they show you know the little winks and stuff that that everybody. But the, but the contention is these aren't winks; that they're clues. You said listicles. Listicles. Yeah. I saw this term yesterday. You have to protect <laughs> your listicles when you're riding a motorcycle. By the way, <laughs> listicles. It's a new term, and I like it because they're not articles; they're listicles. BuzzFeed has created the world of listicles. I had my listicles checked by a doctor last week. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, that was Calvin talking. Right. Because I don't want anybody to mix up hey our guys, voices. guys, by the way, this is my, uh, my last time. So, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Movies also coming out on Friday, August 9th. Uh, Pr- Prince Avalanche with uh, Paul Rudd and Emily Hirsch. Oh. And uh, In a World. You have to say it like, In a World. In a World. world. That guy died. No, I know, yeah. but that this that, movie is about the world of movie trailers. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lake cool. Bell from uh, How to Make It America. She wrote it and produced it, and she's uh, she's a voiceover actress whose father is like the in a world, in a and world. she's trying to break into the movie uh, trailer business. It looks hilarious. Is it a documentary? No, it's a, it's just she wrote this film. Weird. It's a it's a comedy. That's it looks awesome. hilarious. That's great. So Can there's you... actually some good movie options. Yeah, uh, with uh, Elysium and maybe Planes, and uh, we're the Millers, and in a world. There you go. Or if you get bored, check out this Pixar article. <laughs> <laughs> Donate to the author. He's a brilliant fellow. If you don't have a PayPal yet, set it up at PayPal. And if you're really bored, go over to BuzzFeed and play with their listicles. Yeah. Um, that was Eddie, by the way. <laughs> That'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Portions of today's podcast are sponsored by ProjectShift.com. You love the Bible. You want to talk about it with your friends. But let's face it, in today's world, it's hard. ProjectShift.com is a springboard for those conversations. It highlights stories from mainstream media that represent the Bible's message of hope. You can start your God conversations here, ProjectShift.com. You're listening to post How do you say this? post Postaliginen. Postalionen, I bet. That I, sounds right, because they're uh, Icelandic, I think. Okay, well, then it is Postalionen, with a J. I just wanted to see you fight through it. At the begin- the I'll get there. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you had uh, Happy Hollows with Endless, 
from the new album Amethyst. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so there's a big craze going around right now where these different kind of twists on fitness races. Like they're generally in the distance neighborhood about a 5K. I think, uh, Cameron, you recently attended a color run. Is that correct? Yeah, I did a listicle about it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my, the color run is one. They, they have some that are like nightclub themed. They, you know, everyone's trying to come up with a, a new way to cash in on the 5K craze. And the the new thing that's going around the country, it's touring uh, a handful, 16 different cities right now on, on a tour, is what they're calling a zombie run. And the idea is that the 5K uh, will emulate what you see when like a zombie apocalypse happens in the movie like World War Z, where runners are, are actually being chased by people who are portraying zombies. So different <laughs> people, could, participants can sign up. To either be like, you know, being chased or they can be a zombie. And if you're if you're being chased, you're outfitted with all these different balloons and zombies try to chase you down and pop all of the balloons. And the idea is the balloons are like hungry brain or like brains and the hungry zombies are coming to get them. So a lot of people are doing it. Uh, the last one in Denver had about 3000 participants, uh, but it ended pretty badly because some of the runners took it a little too seriously. <laughs> Meaning? Meaning uh, that several of the zombies <laughs> were injured. Several of the zombies? That, yeah, because so uh, some of the runners, I, I guess, you know, were like really hyped up. And this is from, uh, this is a quote that uh, this story ran on uh, a local news uh, uh, site, the Fox 31 in Denver, uh, who actually interviewed some of the zombies that were injured. Poor Autumn Brooks said, it was not fun at all. I had a large guy <laughs> tackle me over a boulder oh. and just left me there with scrapes and bruises. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on bleeding my own blood that day. It should be noted that she looks like a bleeding zombie as she's saying this. Uh, this is a quote from the story. <laughs> Paramedics say, I shouldn't even laugh because this is actually not very funny. Well, I mean, in a way it is, but not for the poor zombie uh, paramedics say another zombie had her nose broken when a runner in a banana costume <laughs> elbowed or punched her in the face. Oh, no. So wait, the, the zombies are the one getting hurt, not the runners. Well, according to race founder Andrew Hudis, it goes both ways. Sometimes there are humans that are too aggressive. Sometimes there are zombies that are too aggressive, too. Okay. Uh, and he doesn't seem to make apologies. He says that he's trying to increase security, but some po- sometimes people get in the heat of the moment and it just goes too far. Okay, so this this is this is interesting because because of this. Like I when you first said when you first said, you know, this oh they're going to chase you or whatever. I'm like, okay, I here's here's me. I went to Halloween Horror Nights down at won't go to that. Yeah, I've, I've been to it twice. Uh, but haunted houses and all this stuff. Like we used to have a thing downtown Orlando called Terror and Church Street. Yes, it's like a permanent haunted house. I remember house. that. Ugh. Right. I don't see horror movies. I, I've never right. seen a horror movie. And and you know, friends want to go and you go to this thing. I'm the guy who walks into it going, "These are you know volunteers and extras. They legally cannot touch me." I literally will logically rationalize myself out of being scared, and yeah. I will calmly walk through the thing while my friends are screaming and boo right. and all that stuff. And it's like, whatever, you can't touch me. I will just stare at you and move on. You know. So when you said this thing about this race, I'm like, <laughs> oh, whoa, they have zombies. Big deal. You can't touch me. But you're saying you're going to no, get that's pummeled. That's the whole point. Yeah, you're yeah. going to actually get physically abused. We are going so, to... Yeah. Now you're running. You're really running. We're going to create yeah, I mean, crowd it's not like hysteria it's, here. You're actually being chased, and they're trying to rip balloons off of 
Yeah, like and in the story, they said one of the zombies said it was a bad idea because it was like playing flag football on pavement. Yeah, you know, I heard that. Yeah, uh, that's a terrible idea. I, think I heard a, that Pixar is actually going to do one of these where the cars chase you, and you have to outrun the cars. <laughs> um, I think this is actually how it all starts. That's how it all starts. This is actually how it all starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the original. Uh, I mean, actually, I'll be honest. Despite the 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 risk of physical harm, no, I think Jesse. I would do this. No, I would, I would do it. This man. sounds actually a lot of fun. I it hate these things, and I'm pretty. I, I consider myself pretty fast and nimble. But beyond that, I'm not afraid of punching someone in the face. You, you <laughs> so can, you can fight back, and you consider yourself fast and nimble. I mean, I've, I basically have have a lot of physical combat skills. Yeah. We call him Jack. We, we call him Jack for short. But like agility, and you know, like I said, the, the ability to, to to land a good stiff arm. He's the Jack B. Nimble of podcasting. I think no, but I think it'd be really fun. I don't think they encourage you to to, to you know lower your shoulder and just mow down zombies, but, but, but it f- does happen. But the fact <laughs> that it is not prohibited makes it the point. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. if you're not going to prohibit violence, then violence is going to be the thing that happens. You know, instead of chasing, they should just have the 5K zombies on one end of the 5K and r- humans on the other end and just have them run towards each other. Yeah. Just battle. Yeah. Right there. Minutes. I honestly, I would do this. If it, if it came to my town, I would definitely consider it. But do you like all of these things? Like, there's the, the color one, you know, where you're getting chalk thrown on you as you run around, and then there's, like, the mud one. Do you like all these kind of specialized 5Ks? Do you like this trend? Personally? Sh- well, or speak for the planet. I don't... I don't have a problem with them. I it, can't remember, you remember back in the day, I did, like, this sprint triathlon in Orlando, and I don't like doing I don't like doing stuff that maybe some people aren't taking it serious if it holds up the race. There's a biking portion of this triathlon where a dude was riding a beach cruiser with a basket on, on awesome. it, and I think he had groceries in it. And didn't you <laughs> didn't you do a, a race once where you or somebody there dressed up as a businessman with a briefcase? That's true. We were wearing suits. And, yeah, and ran the whole race. <laughs> okay, this is right up your alley. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. you love Zombie love Apocalypse 5K. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should do a relevant podcast. Five K. No, we should not because that means we have to sweat, and and some of us are not nimble. Sweating and is. Out. I assumed it was just us sitting in a studio <laughs> and letting people run around. <laughs> right, right. We're still just going to talk and drink coffee. So and we're just broadcasting people are running around speakers. stiff arming. Look, I have an endless <laughs> supply of balloons. So if you get popped, don't worry. <laughs> don't no big don't deal. Worry. Here's another one. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Eddie? I would like to share a story uh, out of Hawaii. So, is it uh, fiction? <laughs> Come with me. It's a short to a story. world. <laughs> so, uh, Hawaii. It's a short Franzen piece. Hawaii has started a new program. It's called the Return to Home Program, which uh, what they are doing is they are offering their homeless population, their 17,000 homeless citizens in, uh, in Hawaii, a, uh, a plane ticket back to the mainland. And so that's basically what this new program is about. They are taking. I these believe folks. that's how Australia was formed. But I mean, <laughs> okay. So this is this is what they're doing, right? And some people like are for it and say, "No, oh, this is a great idea." Like, cost of living is lower in the mainland, so send people back to California. Other people are saying, "Like, hey, this is very awful." Yeah. <laughs> is it, is it voluntary of you to be? Yeah, they're well, not, they all hurt them up. I mean, this is—I well, like, don't know. Hey, everybody, I, mean, I don't know if if if, if, if you know they they it's, would like you come know, get on mandate. this train. Yeah, Look, it's like, fine. Everyone gets a barcode on their head. Yeah, and then we just—it's the be, race to the plane. Homeless five k. I read Revelations. Yeah, yeah. 
So anyhow, uh, I thought it was... <laughs> race to the plane, <laughs> homeless 5K. <laughs> if you don't run, we will pummel you. Yeah. And then some other people were saying that it's just uh, you know, a Band-Aid on a larger problem, which I think absolutely is true so so is it actually happening or is it just proposed or oh no it's happening like, is it this, really yeah yeah yeah. How, um, how many does it say how many people have taken them up on it it does not say that yet it just started um they've got a hundred thousand dollars ready to spend on this program and they're saying that the economics of it work out because the amount that they are spending to uh have shelters for the homeless population uh, in Hawaii, it will be far exceed what it would cost to ship them somewhere else. A hundred thousand dollars is going to solve it for like fifty people. But, but it seems a little heartless in that. What happens when the person gets to their destination? Exactly. You know what I mean? Do they just get off the plane? Well, and, well, look, you know. To be fair, everyone that hey. that gets shipped off does get a lay. Hey, we w- around their around their neck. They get um, a lay. Yeah, that's how they lure them in. Yeah, that's, a, that's the incentive. Uh, but we watched <laughs> Lost. We know what happens when they get off the island. Refuse to watch Lost. I couldn't get first. I've never watched it either. First you three said episodes. the first week you did you did announcements. You talked about Lost. I did, and what I talked about was how I refused to watch Lost, and everybody's talking about the end and Smoke Monster, and I ripped on Lost being the thing. But I had ne- I've never. I've you watched, should watch Lost. I don't want to Netflix do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. What? Just Netflix it. No, I know how to access it. It's you not can, an access you problem. Can watch it it's, a- <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not like you're homeless. You have, to be, you have to be in the northern hemisphere between six p.m. and seven thirty. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to tell anybody you watched it. Just watch it. You'll enjoy it. A lost five K. It never ends, though, right? It does end. It is no longer on the air. There's no resolution. There is a resolution. The whole thing is just like, oh, a smoke monster. Uh, That's what everybody talked about for weeks. All I'm hearing about is this. The smoke monster was like day one. No, I know. Seriously, wasn't there a smoke monster in Wally? There was. That's the connectedness. No, but I probably somebody over in Hawaii (laughs) watched Lost and thought this is a good idea. (laughs) They get them off the island. They start a new life in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know that wasn't in the article, but I'm sure that that's <laughs> the origin. Of Maybe it. they'll film it, and this so will be the next funny. season of the Real World. The real, the real, 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 real the, world. It's like the Real World Skid Row. Yeah, and it's like over overrun with people with lays. Yes, <laughs> they have to keep their lay on, or else they can't stay. They have to ship them back to, Cal- to Hawaii. All right, what do you have, Calvin? Aloha, ha. Um, this is a. I'm trying out a new segment today uh, oh good called what have we learned here folks all right so you know shark week about, about this podcast about, so far so far yeah uh, so let's all chime uh, so you know shark week is i think it's this week next week august 4th is shark week Are you familiar with shark week oh i'm very familiar with shark week i'm sure you are people love them some shark week um i don't watch i don't have this is this on cable what, you don't have shark week you don't <laughs> i don't have cable which i love yeah. have you ever people. heard of shark week yeah i've heard of shark yeah. week yeah. It's pretty important. What do you do at night? What do we do at night? Uh, read books. Play back. Like what? Like what? Like Archie Comics? <laughs> Only Archie Comics. No, we have like Netflix and HBO Go and stuff like that. Mostly like the Wait, Book of Revelations. You're not paying for HBO Go. No. My you're dad, a pastor. My, my dad is. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. First, you make, you, you make suggestive insinuations about BuzzFeed lists, Eddie. Now yeah. I find out that you are stealing HBO from my dad. Yes, wow. I'm the worst. But curb your enthusiasm. So good, right? You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, you were going to talk about what so we've already sh- talked about or something? Shark Week. Look, uh, th- you know, there's a lot of weird things that have been found in sharks' stomachs. You've heard these stories. Uh, like shoes. Motorcycle boots. Chairs. Motorcycle boots. The rear half of a horse. This is all 
actual things found the, inside the rear shark. half. The rear half. Did they? Ever you don't want to get that half. front end. You don't. You don't want that. You, when you, you just say nay. What's a, what's uh, what, what's yeah. that? What's that horse doing in the ocean? That's what I want to know. Hey, yeah. that's a good point. You know what I mean? He had no business. Horses being in can it. swim. It could be a water horse. <laughs> <laughs> it was a seahorse. Yeah, was a seahorse. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'll set it up for you. Also, in uh, horses, still not that thrilled. A box, a box of nails has been found. A torpedo drum, or no, actually, a torpedo, comma, drums have been found inside <laughs> inside sharks. Uh, I'd say a torpedo drum. <laughs> a torpedo drum. Uh, bottles of wine. So look, um, recently in Australia, these guys got together. They caught, they captured a horse. They got it on the dry land. And uh, they I thought it would be fun. Think they captured a shark and got it on a train. They got it. The sh- yep, the shark. Okay, Did I horse. say horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah. where's this going? Well, no, they named the shark horse. Oh, there's a shark horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as part of it's a, a sequel to Sharknado, um, which is so, coming out in theaters. I've heard. I heard that yeah. too. Do you have an over-the-air antenna for yeah. for the networks? Yeah, okay. you don't want to miss the Olympics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Olympics. <laughs> Olympics. <laughs> Olympics is the greatest thing for the Grammys. Period on TV of all time. Uh, period. Tom Brokaw's not. Don't, nightly news. don't Jesse, nothing. Don't, Nothing worse than the Olympics. Jesse. It's inescapable for like two weeks. When the Olympics and it's sports happens. that nobody plays. <laughs> Jesse, when the Olympics happens, all I'm going to do is talk about the Olympics. That's my problem with the Olympics right there. <laughs> everybody talks about <laughs> the Olympics. Everyone, I can't turn on the TV without people talking about the Olympics. Oh, man, it is the greatest. Well, it's Olympics the only so time in, in your life that someone will try to get you to care about a sport like javelin or something. Are you American even? Do you even love America? Because that's why the Olympics. That's rules. why I don't like the Olympics. Because we got our own sports we invented, like <laughs> well, football. Well, speaking of international, being, speaking of being chased by zombies, yeah, zombie five case where you can punch people in the face. The, uh, <laughs> the Australia is really trying to one up America for ridiculous stunts. Uh, a couple of Australian guys captured a shark, maybe a horse, but that's not documented. Mm-hmm. They captured the shark. They got it on a dry land, and one of them climbed inside of the shark's mouth idiots it, it was alive no this shark was had ceased to live at this point oh, okay. in time he climbed inside the shark so the shark is big enough then this is a, a giant shark mm-hmm. for the guy to climb in he backs his way into the shark's mouth Worst. goes foot feet first kicks his way inside of the shark God. gets all of the way in it's like ace ventura and the rhino it's like Pre- jonah right proceeds to, to punch his way out of the shark through the gills <laughs> and they take photographs of this he <laughs> Punches out of the shark through the gills, cuts his way out with like a serrated Rambo knife, mm-hmm. and proceeds to, to do it. claw out of the shark. And they take photos of the whole process, <laughs> and uh, they're cracking up the entire thing. And they sent it like to radio over at Australia. They have radio in Australia, uh, radio and TV and all that stuff. <laughs> just got um, it. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> all uh, they have is radio and HBO Go. Oh, HBO Go, <laughs> and it's all my dad. it's all yeah. my dad's account. <laughs> it's all on your dad's account. <laughs> it's very nice of your dad, by the way. Uh, so, uh, just the fact that this happened. What have we learned here, folks? <laughs> this is as a species, we're not doing well, this is are we? Odd because, because of the HBO Go sharing thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I see nothing wrong with the shark thing. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, this is kind of like a modern day Jonah and the Whale story. Do you think that Jonah would have knifed his way out of the great fish if he had? If well, he had if you've a- seen the film Sharknado, you know that a pivotal scene involves a guy chainsawing his way out of a massive shark. Well, so the answer is so yes. that's cheating in my book. <laughs> um, I mean, this does give a whole new meaning to the term "jaws of life." Gosh. All right, so what did we learn here? What did we learn here? Were you so happy when you thought of that two days ago? Um, <laughs> the only thing I've learned here is uh, that this guy's is this guy's really dumb. 
Seriously, all of that, that's, <laughs> that's the segment? It's the worst <laughs> you slice. Like, you don't like I, the segment? I don't, <laughs> which makes me love it so much, because I keep waiting for the payoff, and I realize you're done. No, 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 no. That's, there isn't it. That's, that's the idea. You're out of steam. It's this new... What did we learn it's here? It's this new anti-comedy like focus I'm kind of going for. It's awful. What have we learned here is... the question. It's a question here. Like, Would... What would you do? I, did he? I are you talking about like biologically? What did he learn about? I didn't know you could punch through a gill. I, I didn't either. Jared. I didn't know that you could actually ask climb the question. Into... What is the question? Come on. Can't you? you shouldn't you play that song now where it's like corrections and whatever? <laughs> Just do something. <laughs> apologies. The premature. We apology. get letters. We get lots and lots and lots and lots. Of <laughs> play Paul Schaefer's letters thing from. I love that. What did, What did we learn? What's the question you were going to ask? Just you, do you're it. halfway through a question. Would it, really the question is. Would Jonah have cut his way? <laughs> cut his way out of the out of the fish. That, that was if he had a serrated Rambo knife. Here's the deal: Jonah knew that he was intentionally disobeying God. He's like, "Nope, I know what you told me to do. Screw that. I'm going the other way." Yeah. Almost immediately, a massive whale swallows him. I don't think at that point he's going to go. I'm going to keep. Fi-. No, you're going. Okay. Yeah, like okay. what, what, I'm not going to win this God argument. Escalate it yeah, that. I'm not going to win this argument, Jesus. Okay, fine, I'll listen. I think right away you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna like calm down and say, okay, yeah, maybe. You I don't think it. he'd be thinking it could be worse? <laughs> no, could, could be a shark. I see what else he's got up his sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to be like fighting to get out of the big fish through yeah. the gills. I, I'm just saying. All right, well that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Peter Hitchens. We apologize. listening to lord with an e song is royals peter hitchens is a british journalist author and broadcaster he currently writes for the mail on sunday where he's a columnist and occasional foreign correspondent reporting most recently from iran north korea burma the congo and china a former revolutionary he attributes his return to faith largely to his experience of socialism in practice which he witnessed during his many years reporting in Eastern Europe and his nearly three years as a resident correspondent in Moscow during the collapse of the Soviet Union. Most famously, probably, he's the younger brother of the late writer and prominent atheist Christopher Hitchens. He's published six books, including the recent The Rage Against God, How Atheism Led Me to Faith. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is Peter Hitchens. In terms of coming to uh, coming to the faith, becoming a Christian, how did that happen? Well, I don't know what the word "becoming" is is really quite right. I was brought up in a in an explicitly Christian society and and taught still uh, by teachers whose assumption was that Christianity was the religion of my people that I that I held and had held before I came to school and would hold throughout my life. So I was brought up in a 
Christian atmosphere in a Christian society uh, with a lot of things assumed and actually unstated, some of them not being true. So that I probably knew less about it than they did, but, but than, than my teachers did. I probably had very little home influence compared with the home influence that I might have had 20 years before or that some of my coevals might have had. Uh, so, the Christianity was, was still in, in my upbringing, the, what you might call the default position of, uh, of, of the English person. So, I don't think the word become really applies. From your perception, do you feel like the, that religion, uh, that the, the time of places like the UK and like here in the States being Christian nations, is that a thing of the past? I fear it is, yes. Uh, the, the only thing that's holding up the recognition of that is the, the afterglow of, of Christianity, the continued assumption in people's lives, even though they aren't specifically and explicitly Christian themselves, and quite possibly count themselves as being atheists or at least agnostics, or which is in some ways worse than either of those, indifferent. Uh, people are still governed by assumptions which are Christian, though they no longer acknowledge uh, the, the roots from which they come. Uh, in the end, you separate any plant from its roots, the plant will die, but there will be a period, depending on the size and age of the plant, during which it will appear to be still alive and still have a lot of the characteristics it had before it was dead. Mm -hmm. But I think that it, it's undoubtedly, it, it has undoubtedly died at, at, at the roots. There is some sense that there are people who say, well, fine, it's not even Christians who would say that it's not so awful if we, if we stop being a Christian nation, we can still hold the truth of it and we don't have to legislate our own morality on a larger group that doesn't necessarily hold to them. Do you agree with that? No, I don't agree with it at all. I think that a society has to have a, a, a fundamental agreement about what its morals are and, and what the origins are. Of those morals are if it can if it's to be able to function as a society you can you can have a, a more or less chaotic and lawless uh, arrangement uh, or you can have a sort of armed truce but what you can't have is a functioning inventive lively civilization unless it has pretty much agreed on a, on a shared foundation for what it believes is good. And if nobody can really agree what's good or not, then you haven't got a starting point. So what do you say then to people who, who would say, and many, a good many of them do, uh, who are you to tell me that your morality is, is more right than mine is? Well, it's not me telling you. I, I, <laughs> I would say that it's, it, the, the source of morality is not me. I'm merely informing you of, of of another authority that, that that seems to me to have uh, have a good deal more force than I could ever command. But it, in the end, of course, the illusion of of self government, the illusion of of self sovereignty, which has been one of the major developments of the of the past hundred years, the century of the self, really, has persuaded people that they need no such thing, and not merely that they that they don't need. Uh, the concept of a deity, but that they actively 
need there not to be and want there not to be such a thing, which is one of the reasons why the, mm-hmm. the new atheism is such a, a passionate, intolerant, and in, in many cases rather unpleasant phenomenon, <laughs> because the people who adopt it actively want there not to be a god, because they know that if there is a god, then that god must be a source of authority. If a purposeful creator made the universe in which we live, then it would be idle to imagine that you could ignore that creator's desires as to how you should live. It's like buying, and put this very crudely, it's like buying a very expensive piece of electronic equipment and trying to work it not merely by ignoring the the manual which the manufacturers have given you, but by actually looking at the manual and doing the opposite of what it says. It won't work. But if you don't acknowledge that, that, that there is a manual or that anybody has, knows any more about it than you do, then of course you can do that and all kinds of things will happen which you might you might conceivably think were good but they, you, 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 they wouldn't be <laughs> you wouldn't know that because you would you would have tossed aside the very concept of there being an absolute right or wrong way to use this incredibly complex, delicate uh, finely engineered piece of equipment We recently, in our magazine, talked to a few thought leaders here in the States about, uh, as they look down the road over the next 10 years, what's what's the biggest challenge or, or the primary obstacle that they feel the next generation is going to have to face? A, a, a challenge that is, or an issue that is reaching a point of singularity. And uh, I know this is on the spot, but I wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Oh, it's been going on for years, I and mean, the fundamental problem which anybody uh, who's interested in, in any of the good things of, of human civilization uh, is threatened by is uh, particularly television and also increasingly computers, but all these things which, uh, which children are exposed to. I, I would rather give a, a child neat gin than <laughs> leave a child unsupervised in front of a television set or a computer screen, and yet an awful lot of... of, of Christian people and respectable, serious, educated people do this all the time uh, as if it were a minor act, whereas in fact it's, 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 it's as dangerous to the child's soul and, and, and mind as it would be to propel the child into the middle of a freeway. And yet they do it, and there's no, there's no social sanction against it. It's unbelievable how, how this has been allowed to develop. If you are exposed at a young age to the influences of television and computer games, then you will not develop an imagination. Your imagination will atrophy because you don't need it. And it is in the imagination that we feel the pain of other people, that we examine the, the possible consequences of our own actions. And without an imagination, we, we become morally, if not dead, then, then certainly uh, highly handicapped. And it's been, it's, it always amazes me how many good people uh, uh, remain wholly insensitive to this gigantic danger and expose their children who have no other protection apart from their parents' will against it, expose their children to this awful influence over and over and over again and then are surprised by the results. It's also the other thing about, about television is that it's a huge conformist influence and the reason why so much atheistical conventional wisdom and received opinion is current is because that, that's what they have learned during the periods when their parents have neglected them and left them in front of the screen. It's unbelievable how how relaxed people are about this terrible thing.
Is there any trend or, or movement that you see perhaps rising that gives you hope that, that's, that maybe the things are getting, getting better? No, but I, I'm not. <laughs> by, by, by nature, I've always found pessimism to be a more realistic and, 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 and sensible guy. I think pessimists are much happier than optimists because they, they don't expose themselves to stupid disappointments and they see dangers coming. Uh, so, no, I don't, but then it, it's, it, it's not in my nature to do so. And, mm-hmm. and it's also quite possible, as, as, as we know, to be unaware of, of good things happening which are over the horizon, which we just, which, which, which is just beyond our, our, our power to see. So the fact that I can't see them doesn't mean they aren't there. I'm forbidden to despair, uh, so I won't. So I, I have to assume that, that there is some hope coming from somewhere, but I can't at the moment work out what it is. That was Peter Hitchens. Uh, for more of the interview, check out the current issue of Relevant Magazine or the Relevant iPad edition. You're listening to Barbarossa. The song is Turbine. Well, we have a unique opportunity today. We have, you know, we, we interview people, but it's usually on the Skype line. We have the opportunity to actually have our interviewee in the studio with us today. Uh, joining us is Lizzie Wurgo, uh, the founder of a really cool uh, nonprofit called Market Colors. It's based here in the area. Um, and we, we came across her story um, in this last year, and we're really impressed with their model and what they're doing and wanted to talk about it. That was really cool. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hi, Lizzie. This is very exciting. This is great. Um, I've never interviewed uh, somebody in person in the studio before. How do you oh. feel right now? feel really lucky. But you have interviewed her at the fundraiser on yes. stage. Which is what gave me the idea for this segment and what oh. gave me the idea to have you join the podcast, Eddie. Wow, really? you're welcome. I told you that at lunch. I or when I called that. you afterwards. Sorry, most of that lunch was just a, it's a haze. royalties even, for this? Or? I don't remember anything. There was a, there was a <laughs> fundraising concert night uh, locally a couple months ago. And, and, and in between a couple of the sets, Eddie got up and interviewed you about the story mm-hmm. of Market Colors. And yeah. number one, I was impressed with Market Colors. I thought, man, this is yes. a really cool story. And number two, man, Eddie's good at interviewing people. He's not you, know what, you know what we should do? Add him to the podcast. I have a thought about this interview. Let's make it about Lizzie. And we'll start talking about her. Is that good? Or we want to keep talking about me? No, I, I like talking about you. There's I do too. Here. That's so funny. We're on the same page. <laughs> Lizzie, tell me what Market Colors is. So Market Colors is a nonprofit organization that I started when I graduated from school. Um, and so... Hold on. How many... How old are you? Middle school? Middle... I, I'm 23. So you really did it. I did it. Because everybody yeah. says, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Yeah. But really... Nobody starts. Were you doing it while you're in school? Um, a little bit. I had the idea while I was graduating from school. Um, I graduated um, when I was 21, so this was um, a year and a, I guess about two years ago now. Um, and yeah, I had the idea. I was going on trips um, to Africa with our church, and through those trips, I was meeting with these amazing women. And um, one of the women I met with, she had AIDS, um, and she was dying of pneumonia. And so our group placed hands on her and prayed for her. And at 20, that was just super intense. Um, I'd never been that close with something that was just so heartbreaking. And so um, then we returned home and we got word that she had passed away and she had really left her kids with nothing. And um, 
she was a part of a group of women and many of them were craftsmen. And so those craftsmen weren't able to sell their products to anyone except those that were in their own village or if there was a missionary group like our trip that was coming through, they were just so restricted um, with who they were able to sell products to. So she was leaving her kids with nothing. And so through that and through other stories, um, that's where the idea started just with this need of um, these amazing women um, and some men as well. They are making these products that are incredible, but there's just no there's no one coming to buy the products. So if we're able to give them access to the rest of the world through our store, um, then we could just really make an impact and transform the lives and be able to um, equip them with ways to provide for their families. That's amazing. I. Bringing it back to Eddie real quick. Of course. Um, one of, one, of, one yeah, of those trips, one of that. those trips that you took to Africa as a, yes. as a student, Eddie was supposed to join. You know, I did. was all pumped. This is my first yeah. time I was leading a trip. And, and we I was a little, it together. we were leading it together. And yeah. I was, I was kind of nervous because this is a big deal for me to be in leadership position, mm-hmm. but like, it's fine. This is, what, Eddie, you're like third this is trip? my thought process. Yeah. That was my third trip. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not that intimidating, but you know who is Eddie. He'll be great. So he'll get things done. He'll get things right. done. Yeah. Just, if you found yourself in a predicament Eddie's, in the bush of Africa, yeah. Eddie will, Eddie will take control. Yes. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people get that sense about me. Like, yeah. This is a guy that I can uh, I can trust. Right. Absolutely. So, so it went well. So it was a great trip. Yeah. We had great together. trip. That's it. No. <laughs> that's not no, true. So, so what happened? So um, got to the church that morning. We were all set to leave. Trip of like 20 people or so. Um, a few young children as well. On Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Can I get? A, can I tell a little backstory? I don't know if it's you, even really. No, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give away the punchline. But the week before the trip, I'm starting to feel sick, and I'm starting to, you know, I'm like, man, I cannot get like sick on this. So I go to mm-hmm. one of a, a like a walk-in clinic. Mistake one. Uh, so I go to this walk-in clinic, and they give me two medications for nausea that I've never had in my life. Mistake two. I begin taking those fairly aggressively in combination <laughs> with the rest of the, uh, you know, all the stuff you got to take when you're going and traveling. Uh, and so that was mistake three. Then I show up at the bus in the morning ben and tell me bus. what's happening. And I had been thinking, like, yeah, Eddie's had this little bug. Like, I went to Africa with bronchitis. I know. He can do it. Whatever. Like buck up, you know? So, exactly. Come on, like, big fella. Why are you even, like, mentioning this to me? <laughs> and so we get there, and the team, um, we all pray together. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, like, really excited to go. Now, let me pause in that moment. <laughs> yeah. So we're all standing in a huge circle, right? And so there's 20 of us. The pastor, lead pastor of the church comes out. We're all standing in a circle. And it is in that moment, as we're praying, I immediately feel like I'm, it's a thousand degrees, like I'm burning alive, right? And it is a cool, dark morning. And like, it is during the prayer that something is wrong. Please continue. (laughs) Amen. So I do my best to um, focus on the team members, which was kind of the goal. It's a good good leadership. And so we got, I got everyone in the buses and then I'm like, I have not seen Eddie in a couple of minutes. Here's what happened in that few moments. Yes. <laughs> what happened? What happened was, uh, Amen. We all look up, and I look at Brianne, my wife, who is also with us on the trip mm-hmm. and an incredible leader in her own right. And I said, "Something is really wrong with me." And she turns like pale, like ghost white, and is like, "Yes, something is wrong with you." At which point, I grab the lead pastor, and I'm like, "Hey." 
what's going on? And then where do you go with the lead <laughs> and pastor? This is the weird moment. For some reason, out of pure panic, I run into the women's restroom. Okay. Literally next door to the men's zero restroom. Zero sense. <laughs> we just run in there. It was like the first. Hey, it was door. a thousand degrees. A thousand degrees. And I basically I'm like, what is happening to me? And I rip off my clothes, almost all of it. And he's just like immediately because he's the most calm, cool, collected dude, and his face kind of turned like ashen and he was like because he'd never seen you shirtless before (laughs) and he was so impressed he he was really surprised at what he saw Um, and he said uh, you can't go on the trip what had happened is and then we'll get back to market colors <laughs> and a nonprofit that's actually making a difference in the lives of African craftsmen. But back to me, um, what had happened is one of those medications I was incredibly and intensely allergic to and was about an hour away from, as the doctor in the emergency room said, total anaphylactic shock. They would have been putting a wow. breathing tube down my throat. So had I gotten on the plane, that plane would have certainly had to have been diverted emergency landing so that they could keep me alive. So you didn't go on oh, the no, trip, so you not go. Oh, no, I, I yeah. still hold, hold on to hope that. Maybe so, Eddie will show up and then, and then as Lizzie is driving away, purely, I mean, obviously about to start a bigger journey than even this because she's about to change the world and sure. all of this good stuff. I realize that I still have the folder in my hand that has all of the money for the trip. No. How much was it, do you think, Lizzie? Um, it was like a thousand petty cash. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it was just like it, crucial. So yeah. I tr- I run down, grab the van. I'm like, here. Well, and no. copies of everyone's passports oh, and yeah. their insurance cards. And, oh, wow. And so. I was just like trying to get over this guy. The strong man is not going to be here. The strong man's dying. The strong man's dying. Boom. Just like that. And And it's all. But he got it to me. And. So you've been. been So you went on church mission trips and just like started to see this need and get this idea. Mm -hmm. And you actually started Market Colors after really just going on church mission trips. Yeah. I knew that God was doing something because every time I went, I would just feel um, just so compelled to. Um, really dive into the culture and to get to know these people. And I knew he was doing something. I just did not know what it was exactly. And then when I graduated and had the, I guess it's fairly common for a 21-year-old to be like, you know, I just want to do something. I want to do something different. Um, Through that desire and through um, just the things God had already put on my heart, it just became apparent that I was the right person to start Market Colors. But I'm always fascinated by folks like you that have this idea that does not exist. You don't really have context for it. You can't talk to somebody else who's done this. Mm-hmm. Where did that germ of an idea start to percolate with you? Where did it happen? What was the first thing that you thought of in the first moment? Did somebody speak into it? Like, yeah. Where did it come from? Through conversations with um, the lead pastor that was so impressed with your, your chest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, with your physique. Um, through that, um, we just had conversations about like, Lizzie, you care about these people so much and you know there's a need for this. And so through that, um, I mean, Market Colors looks so different now than it so, did that so first So in you, there's, there's like, clearly you're just expressing like that these people can't make a living like selling the stuff just to their own folks. How can we help? That's exactly. that's mm-hmm. kind of where you're circulating, right? Yeah. So then you start to talk to John. He's the, the lead pastor. When does the idea happen? Who has the idea? Hey, wait, we can take their products, pay them very fairly for these products and sell them stateside to people that will love them. Where does that happen? I think once I identified that there was a demand for it, because I would come back and people would be like, this, this purse is amazing. How can I get this? And it was like, well, you got to go to Africa. The ultimate hipster 
The ultimate hipster. Oh, oh well, yes. you can't get it. You have to go to Africa. Gotta go to yeah, Africa. Sorry. Yeah. There's this little boutique in Africa that yeah, I yeah. know. It's Nobody sorry. knows where it is. You can't you find can look it. on my Instagram account if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So that was where um that was where I initially started. Um just through people love this stuff and so um I knew there was a demand for it. Hmm. So you thought I'm gonna get into importing exporting. Yeah. And so that's importing, how that's how it all started. And then I knew at the core of market colors I wanted there to be a strong connection between the consumer and the craftsman. Um and so with every product, there's a picture of the craftsman that made it, and there's information about her and her story. Um, and so it shows the person that purchased this product that, um, you know, they could have bought something that's kind of similar at Target, but, um, I mean, it's handmade, mm-hmm. it's different quality, um, and also it comes with a real story, and you're actually making an impact. We track the people that are making these products, and we're able to um, communicate to the buyers that this person is able um, to provide for their family because you purchased this product. What I love about Market Colors is that, I mean, I can't tell you how many, you know, college grads, like like Eddie was saying, you know, saying like, I'm going to start, I'm gonna, you know, their, their eyes are open to a, a cause or something. They want to raise awareness and they want to mm-hmm. start a 51C3. And they're like, really, either they're doing nothing, they're just raising awareness or selling t-shirts, right. or they're doing work that's redundant with organizations mm-hmm. that have been there for a generation. And it's like, it would have been actually probably better for you to link arms with established mm-hmm. work versus trying to start over and do it on your own. What I love about what you're doing is that it's, 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 it's filling a need that nobody really was filling, especially mm-hmm. in the communities that you were engaging with. Two, it's sustainable. It's empowering the locals. It's not a handout. It really is an opportunity, and and you're just you're a facilitator. You know, you're not you know doing anything for them. They're, you're empowering them to change their lives. All of these things like are are kind of like that that DNA that that most mm-hmm. of the like I'm going to start an organization just doesn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's why that's why when I heard the story of Market Colors that night that Eddie so wonderfully interviewed you on it stage, it really was good. Um, it, it really was. was. It, it really opened. It really. I was like, it was one of those things. Like I've with with the work we've done with Project Apathy and mm-hmm. all the organizations that we worked with over the last you know decade. It's kind of like we've seen it all. And and we, I mean, at a glance, I can tell you if something's really going to actually do more mm-hmm. harm than good or if it's really, you know, mm-hmm. it's a neat idea, but there's really no legs to it. Yeah. When I heard about Market Colors, it was like, yep, how that's did, it. How did this not exist already? Yeah, this, this is works. just so simply brilliant. Yeah, like, this works. What's the... What's the dream? Give us a little peek into the dream of what Mark has for five years. Yeah, five, five years. years. Um, it's been really cool to see what God has done with um, just efforts and blind faith, essentially, of um, depending on God to provide the right craftsman groups. Um, mm-hmm. And through that, I'm not sure exactly where we will be headed. I know that we will be um, continuing to expand our reach throughout Africa and maybe at some point reach out beyond Africa. And the next five years, I really want to be focusing in on the groups we have now and being very strategic with additional groups we have so we're able to really keep investing in those groups we have so we're making an impact, a strong impact with each community. Mm. So uh, I'm going to ask a question that the the 21-year-old Lizzie's out there who are starting to have an idea and they think they know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Like Eddie was kind of talking about, okay, where did the idea come from? Okay, so you're two years into your journey mm-hmm. of doing this, and they're going to go like, "Well, do you come from a rich family? Like, how? Like, do you have another job? Like, right. how are you doing this?" So, t- talk to me real about the practical, real mm-hmm. quick. So, um, y- do you support like the administrative side? Like, do you raise support from like? 
like local churches or anything or like is is just the sales totally sustaining you is this your only job like what does it look like today so two we, years in yeah we raise public support um that provides operational costs so a lot of that's done through church partnerships um through corporations that believe in the work that we're doing that fundraiser night yeah the fundraiser mm-hmm. night that was um for part of that as well we'll do special campaigns to reach special goals like um, we did an indiegogo campaign which indiegogo is just such a huge asset especially for startup nonprofits. um it's a similar to kickstarter campaign um and those are that's essentially where um, the initial funds have come from, and then the products allow us to purchase more products and reinvest into those communities. So your so the the product sales doesn't sustain um, the overall operations. The product sales money kind of just goes and gets reinvested back into the products. Mm-hmm. So 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 it's important that somebody who's thinking about trying to do it their own that they need to think about the overhead costs and stuff like that. What's what's a piece of advice that you're two years into it. You're still figuring it out too, but what's something that you wish somebody had told you two years ago? Like what's something you would pass on? I think something that was so helpful for me when I started was, um, like the first year was just spent meeting with everyone I could. I everyone that knew about Africa, about nonprofits, about business, just meeting with people to expand my network because I mean, I was a 21 year old girl from Michigan. I didn't know anyone um, down in Florida where I started Market Colors. And so um, just meeting with more people was so helpful for me. Mm. And just to, I think it was so impactful that um, I was able to just be willing to let God show up and let Him transform Market Colors and make it whatever He wanted it to be because that surrender gives God opportunity to really work. And I feel like that's where a lot of the, um, you know, the things that we've been able to do, the successes we have had have come from um, just God showing up. And and you listened and learned. I think that I think mm-hmm. people jump in once they get yes. the idea. And you t- you took a year. Took a year to meet with people, read books, um, just try to understand yeah. who's doing this, who's doing things that are similar mm-hmm. and how can um, or really what do I want? Market, how do I want market colors to be different from other groups that um, have do importing and stuff? I, I think that's I think that's such a pivotal phase that people mm. try to skip over mm-hmm. uh, p- people ask me i get emails a couple times a week hey i, I like relevant i want to start a magazine just like it how'd you do it and they think in an email i can just give them like right. steps one through seven Th- the reality is is i got the idea for relevant when i was 19 and the magazine came out eight years later mm-hmm. i mean in the first years i mean it's just like learning the craft the industry mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out our unique place and all that yeah, you know? and exactly. it's like you really can't shortcut that process of education and learning and listening it's humbling because you think you have it all figured mm-hmm. out once you get the idea but and i think that's where so many fail as they go from idea i know i'm going to do this and they jump into it and they don't lay the foundation of of trying to learn and stand on the shoulders of people who went before them and i think that was so key when i heard that about your story like you just went to Starbucks for a year mm-hmm. and met with people and read. And like, that's that's where my liturgical dance ministry failed. I just jumped in <laughs> too right quickly, in. right? And I just I didn't I didn't have it ready. <laughs> yep. So it was really hard. It was really sad. I miss it. Um, how do people support Market Colors? Obviously, they go on the website buy the yeah, products. Yeah. So all the products are available through our online store marketcolors.org. Um, and that is huge. And just to be able to share with our friends um, the work that Market Colors is doing and to buy products and share with them, it's huge. Um, and we have a lot of um, events and stuff that happen in Orlando. If you're not in Orlando, there's lots of other... Um, They're not in Orlando. No one's in Orlando, actually. No. Um, there's ways to become um, a monthly giver or one-time giver, um, sponsor of Market Colors that way. And then there's um, different corporate ways to also get involved. And you have a fall line coming out, or how often do the products refresh? 
Yes, we do um, every season have new products. That's like a thing, I guess, in this world, this style world over here. It's it's amazing that people don't want to wear scarves in the middle of summer. Yes, I know. Mm. But they do in the winter. It's a thing. I don't know anything about fashion, so just continue on. I was actually told it's called style, not fashion. Fashion is temporary, style's forever. These are just what I've been told. Well, because you spend a year learning these things. You're learning. So style is forever. Cool. Like Chad has style. Yeah. Chad's got style. I mean, I don't want to brag. P.S. Chad's here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing he said. Hey, guys. I've been just chilling over here. It's a fascinating conversation, you guys. Just playing little wings, doing what he does. Well, great. Well, thanks for coming in. We're we're big fans, and uh, the products that you carry are high quality and very stylish. And uh, yeah, I'd like to finish with the question that I asked on stage, though, that I still haven't gotten a real definitive answer to. Can I end the interview? Of course. You use a lot of your friends to model your clothing. I know Mm -hmm. all of your models. What's up? Why 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 am I not on the website? I think a man bag clutch that'd be awesome for you. That might be really nice. A scarf. There's a market for that. Okay. Well, you so heard it here. You heard it here. Stunningly beautiful hands. If you ever need a hand, really wow. nice hands. Very like nice. George. <laughs> George Costanza. He walks around with oven mitts on his hands. <laughs> Lizzie Wurgo, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. You're listening to Tessa Rose Jackson. The song is Lost and Found. From the album Songs from the Sandbox. I didn't know the sandbox was a birthplace of much music. A lot of great songs being written in the sandbox these days. It's time for your feedback. Last week, they asked you to tell us your worst or most embarrassing online mishap. Wow, that is is something. (laughs) It is. And you guys went over to the (laughs) podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter. And uh, on our Facebook page and post your replies. Here's a few of our favorites. Oh, yeah. We had a lot of good ones today. This one's from <laughs> from Douglas Odin. And I, if you guys remember, we were talking about uh, funny email addresses uh, that, that we once had. Now, the thing is, Douglas doesn't give uh, a, a year that he established this uh, hotmail address. Uh, though I'm assuming it wasn't any time recently because he said now he has a current email address with Gmail that you know uses a more conventional uh, uh, use of his name. But he said that his first email attempt was during the time when the film The Lion King <laughs> I was, love this. was popular. And he says that he wanted to let the cyberverse know that he was a pretty laid-back guy with a no-worries attitude. That's why his first email <laughs> address was Akuna underscore Matata underscore 31 at Hotmail.com. <laughs> Unfortunately, Akuna was misspelled, so I don't know why. <laughs> but we can only assume that because it was Akuna underscore Matata underscore 31, that there were also 30 other people who misspelled Akuna Matata at Hotmail.com at the time. So that is a great email address, Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so my favorite one was from somebody who I think rightly so didn't actually use their name. It was just like MT 
THWF. Nobody knows what that name means. But he said, This is from Akuna Matata. <laughs> but he said, As soon as I mentioned this question of the week to my wife, she immediately looked at me and said, No, you can't, without even telling her what it is <laughs> you I know, want to be if, the, if that's the preface, it's going to be a good one. So here it goes. He said, A couple of years ago, I was living with a married couple that I went to church with. They were gracious enough to rent out the bedroom, and I needed somewhere to live. My room connected to the shared bathroom in the apartment. Uh, anyhow, it goes on to say that the couple had a caricature uh, and that he was trying to take a picture of them um, wh- that you could see this caricature while you're standing up using the bathroom. Okay, I'm trying to be delicate because I'm not sure. trying to have to be gross here. <clears throat> sure. You understand. Yeah, that hasn't stopped us so far in this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, so he ends up taking this picture and he's trying to get a picture of the caricature while he is standing there using uh, the bathroom. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Well, you just use the Seinfeld reference. And uh, he accidentally texted, uh, tweeted basically a, a, Geraldo style selfie of himself like as in the reflection <laughs> oh yeah the reflection in the mirror in the bathroom I had accidentally published a fully frontal nude pic of myself <laughs> and the caricature to my twitter my girlfriend received all of my posts on a text messages to her phone at the time uh, she saw it immediately he rushed to delete the pic and for good measure canceled the twitter account here's my favorite part none of my friends have ever fessed up to seeing it so maybe I got lucky no, you didn't. No. Every single person. Everyone saw it. <laughs> everyone no one did. Was, you know, comfortable enough to, to say it. But Everybody's every, still yeah. laughing about that. That's cool that Anthony it's Wiener posted. still on the internet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's still floating around. But it I'm was. looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was this guy. I have, okay. it, I have it as my iPhone wallpaper. Yeah. Um, I like this uh, from Carl Jones on the relevant uh, magazine.com slash podcast page. I run social networking for our church, and I was putting up a couple of posts about some Mother's Day stuff. The post was supposed to read something like, quote-unquote, men, give your wives some time to dot, 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 regarding the event. I typed it too fast, autocorrect, got a hold of it, and sent it out as, men, give your wives some time with me. (laughs) 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 Folks definitely saw it, and my wife had a good laugh, though, uh, but she did punch him. (laughs) Yeah. That'll do it for your feedback. Uh... Now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier we got talking about the uh, zombie 5K and this new phenomenon of the color runs and all these other, you know, more themed 5Ks. It got us thinking, what would your ideal themed 5K be? Mine would involve a slip and slide every quarter mile. Mine would also be a 1K. Or a half a K. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine, mine hey, there. It'd be a half K, five K. Brilliant. Pig, picking on the piggybacking on the slip and slide, five K slip and slide. Just the oh, entire just a thing. downhill uh-huh. slip and slide. Three point one miles slip and slide. You'd be going at the end of that. <laughs> Who said? Well, what you're talking about? What you're just a something. You're assuming a certain slope. I, I, it could be you a could gradual. Level it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you don't want to get stuck out in the middle. <laughs> You know who would you do have it? to run on the slip and slide the yeah. rest of the way. You know who, Maybe that, that feels like a Bob Goff thing. It's where just, you it, could it's like, you could text him and be like, "Hey, I want to do three miles of slip and slide. I'll be there tomorrow." By the way, <laughs> okay, half buddy. of the runners tear their ACL trying to. All. <laughs> it's a horrific, terrible uh, tragedy. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Bob Goff replies to things on Twitter. He see, you know, he sees he he has the filter. I'm assuming. Does so, he? I'm assuming because he replies to a lot of stuff. If you mentioned Bob Goffin's name, you he know, did not at, reply. 
And so, like, on Twitter, because of your comment a couple weeks ago, how I went off on this lodge retreat and had tickle fights with Bob Goff. Hey, your words, not mine, people, buddy. <laughs> no, they, they, people were tweeting, hey, Karen, tickle fights with Bob Goff, at Bob Goff. And he, he never replied. Oh, no. So, like, I know he saw them. Yeah. And now he's thinking, like, what is he doing? I invite him to my home, and he's going back publicly talking about the fact that we're having tickle fights. He's I probably thought, offended. I thought it was weird you said it. but You offended Bob Goff. Good gosh. job. I think so it's impossible. A, there's an idea for a 5K. Bob, Go- Bob Goff chases you. <laughs> Tickling, trying to reach out with his tickle hands. <laughs> Gucci, 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 Gucci. You really, you gotta, I think we, you lost a friend. It's the Bob Goff tickle off. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> what, would you, what would your ideal 5K be? I mean, Other than being a half K. No, that's basically but it. But that's not a theme. Length is not a theme. What if it was a blindfolded 5K? <laughs> where you set up padded walls, and you all blindfold, and they tell you just, like, which direction to run, Yeah, and you just all go. Just the Lost in the Woods 5K? Yeah. <laughs> and just, it, it, everybody gets dropped in the middle of the woods. Wait, or you already could have like predator heat 5K. vision. Maybe. You don't even know which direction you're supposed to be going. A 5K yeah. is a long way to go in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> a 5K quickly turns into a 6K. Yeah. yeah. A 5K quickly turns into a manhunt because, <laughs> because you know, Carl never showed up again, right. you know, and he, we don't know where he is. I think my 5K would incorporate the eat and drink around the world at Epcot. Oh. oh. Like yeah. The Food and Wine Festival. Yeah. Stop yeah. at the American Pavilion. Next yeah. stop. But you don't want to run. No, but you, oh, but they, but you the have point. to. You can, take as, you can take as long as you want. So it's, it's a, a very, very, very while you enjoyable five k. Oh. It's a three mile stroll of so well, it's eating a, and drinking. It's right. a pub crawl five k. Right. right, right. Head over to the podcast episode page at rollmagazine Hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook and let us know your ideal themed five k. Many thanks to Peter Hitchens for talking to us. Um, you can read uh, the interview with him in the new issue of relevant you can also pick up his new book the rage against god how atheism led me to faith available everywhere many thanks to lizzie wargo for talking to us as well uh check out market colors it's an awesome organization and really cool products uh at marketcolors.org or follow them on twitter at market colors on that note we'll wrap it up i'm cameron strang i'm eddie koffoltz i'm calvin kearley i'm jesse carey for tad michael snavely we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. That's why I don't like the Olympics, because we got our own sports we invented.